This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. It's the Sunday edition of the Busted Open Podcast with Justin Labar. I'm Jonathan Hood. And Justin, today we talked about The Rock returning to the WWE. Yeah, he got all the headlines. Now we know the match is going to happen with Roman, but when? Yes. Is it going to be at Elimination Chamber? Is it going to be at WrestleMania? Will it be both? I'm excited to find out. It's the hottest topic to talk about right now. Also, AEW turns five years old. We talk about the good and the questionable about AEW. It's not necessarily bad when you've got TV. The point is, though, AEW got some things to work on. They do. And the company, it's grown a lot in the five years. We've seen a lot of memories, but there's definitely uh, things to praise. There's definitely things to question if they should be doing more or less of. Enjoy the Sunday edition of the Busted Open Podcast. Just to be able to see The Rock be able to return. Now, again, <laughs> let's start off with all that hype that you talked about from Michael Cole saying a former WWE champion is going to be here. And as soon as you heard the first chord of the Jinder Mahal song, you could see the audience and their shoulders slumped, sad, like, oh, this guy, Jinder Mahal. Now, here's the thing. Before we get there, let me tell you something. Jinder Mahal, that promo, promo of his life, number one. And number two, I'm like, hey, a little Muhammad Hassad has joined us. How about mm-hmm. that? I said, hey, here we go. Like, are we going back to 2002? Because I love Muhammad Hassad. Like, I know it wasn't the right time, you know, for uh, Muhammad Hassad at that time. But I, but he gave me those vibes. A little Iron Sheik mention. I said, maybe they're going someplace with this. And, of course, here comes The Rock just to break all that up. Muhammad Hassan. Let's take the Italian guy and just throw a turban on him and have him, <laughs> have him speak about how much he hates America. Hey what man, a casting job. He had me going. I mean, at that yeah. time, he's like, I'm from Michigan. You guys don't like me because even though you're American, I'm American too. I said, hey, maybe we got a, like, a, like a redo, like a Muhammad Hassan redo because, be honest, that was a hell of a promo, but then The Rock, of course, mm-hmm. erased all of that uh, in San Diego. No, it was a good gender promo for him uh, doing yeah. the national anthem. Doing the national anthem, and <laughs> you're right. So they pan the crowd. Everybody's up, shoulders up, phones up, and then all the phones come down, and <laughs> the disappointment <laughs> just wipes across everybody's faces. It, it was a great troll job. Yeah, you know, The Rock comes out, and it's like, and you still don't, you know, The Rock comes out, and it's still, you know, we have no idea. You have no idea that in, in 10 minutes you're going to get hit with that line that we just heard about the head of the table because we've seen him come back. He came back around um, early in the fall on SmackDown. You know, he and Pat McAfee, they were all you know the same place for, again, for college game day. And, you know, there was no match being set up. It was just, you know, come out, do do, do the shtick, and, you know, do you smell what the Rock's cooking? So that's what made it, that's what made it even greater was we're getting him. So you're already getting this bonus of having him unadvertised on this Monday Night Raw. Uh, nowhere in my mind was I really think I wasn't like expecting Roman Reigns no. to be mentioned or Roman to come out. I just, I, I don't know. It's hard to think what my mindset really was prior now that I've had, you know, six days to, to marinate on this, but I don't know how I expected them to ever set up the rock Roman match. If it was going to happen. I don't know if I expected the rock to appear in a rumble. I don't, I don't know what I expected, but I, I did not expect him and his closing line to San Diego to make a reference to where he was going to sit when he goes out on the town that night. I mean, it was just so well done, which gives me a great bit of confidence, Jonathan, that already 
because I think part of I think part of Rock doing this is because he's working creatively with Triple H. Mm-hmm. You know, he alluded to that they had talked about doing this last year, and that he and Vince and Nick they couldn't come up with a deal. You know, my interpretation, Jonathan. I don't know about you. My interpretation is there's a lot of heat around Vince, and also Vince has his mindset. This is how we're going to do something. I think Rock first off wants to make sure that it's creatively the best it can be if he's going to come back and do it. And I think you can collaborate with a guy like Triple H who he came up with. And also, I think The Rock is going to want to make sure that he leaves the place better than he found it. I mean, he's going to want to make sure he can put over as many people as realistically possible that makes sense. And I don't think Vince necessarily would have had that mindset, you know, if, if, if he was in charge. So just having that creative line to launch this and being so brilliant, that gives me a lot of confidence for the rest of the creative leading up to this match and then whatever, if, if, if anything follows it. This is what's great about anticipation in professional wrestling, because unlike any other company, Triple H can be able to say, okay, let's bring in Randy Orton and that'll excite the crowd. And let's bring back AJ Styles and that excite the crowd. And let's bring back our truth because we need the funny. He could just be able to pick and choose and say, this is the right time to come back because that really uh, Justin is the essence of professional wrestling. The surprise you can give. I mean, nothing like a good four or five star match. That's great, but nothing like storytelling and surprise. Surprise is something that's left the landscape of wrestling. I think for a while because of the internet and because of shows like this and because of the you know the quote unquote dirt sheets. They already know and they always always spoil it for you. But it's nothing like being able to say. Hey, I know I've got a roster of wrestlers that have not appeared or they're unhealthy and now they're ready to go. Let me find the right spot to put them in. And the perfect example is The Rock on Monday. I mean, like you said, we didn't expect him to come out. A former world champion, that could have been anybody, but it was The Rock. And so it's amazing that the Rolodex, if I can use that term, for Triple H is right there for him to say, yep, this is the right time to use The Rock. Yeah. And well, you know, to the surprise thing, I, I largely agree with you that in 2024 it is hard to keep things under wraps. But I do think that WWE and you know AEW in their five years' time, they have proven that if you really want to keep it a surprise, it can be done. Mm-hmm. You know, whether, you know, from all the tricks that we've seen now in the documentaries from, you know, even, even Ronda Rousey, when she appeared at Rumble, when she made her a long way to debut to be a member of the roster. Like, you know, obviously Punk most recently with, with WWE, you know, um, Adam Copeland and AEW, like we've learned if they really want to keep it under wraps, whether they got to fly you to a different town, whether you're going to be, you know, head to toe dressed in black with a ski mask, whether you're not going to come in until 20 minutes before you, whatever, if they, if they want it, you know, so I, I do like the fact that that, that, that still can be done. You know, again, there was light talk of the rock just because he was at a very public event earlier in the day that other WWE people are at. So it was like, all right, well, he's, he's, he's within reach you know, he, he's got a private jet. He can get from Pasadena to San Diego pretty quickly. But still, nobody for sure knew. And then, like I said, but Triple H is, you know, fueling that hype. <laughs> I mean, you're like, oh, my God, this has got to be something. It was tremendous. What a way to start the year. So let's talk about something that our buddy Dave LaGreca uh, has talked about ad nauseum. He is on a big campaign to get Cody Rhodes in the main event at WrestleMania in Philadelphia against Roman Reigns. And I can understand why he's got that campaign, why he feels strongly about that is because he believes that Cody Rhodes should be able to finish the story. They should have done it last year, and this would be a great opportunity for this to happen. So here's what's on the line. It's The Rock and it's Cody Rhodes and the story. Triple H is making sure that today's wrestling fan has patience. Old school. 
you hear the perfect example is, you know, Gunther, who's going to beat him for the Intercontinental Championship? Well, he's on a, a legendary run right now as the Intercontinental Champion. Roman Reigns as Universal Champion. The Bloodline with Paul Heyman, in which Heyman says, yeah, it's going to last for a while. We're just going into the bottom of the third. We got a lot more to go with this Bloodline story. The Cody story. Uh, L.A. Knight in his future. Breaking up damage control. Is it going to happen? When will it happen? Right? But it's not happening yesterday. It's not happening a month ago. It's, it's when the time is right. Bron Breaker, will he, will, he, will he ever break out of NXT and get to the main roster? Priest with the money in the bank. All these stories are there in which when it's the right time, they will be able to get that. There's patience. The Cody story is different because the Cody story reminds me of the Dusty Road story of the 1980s. People in the Carolinas and Atlanta area listening to Busted Open this morning know exactly where I'm going, especially if you live that era. The whole mid-Atlantic area, you know where I'm going with this. Many of you as fans wanted Dusty Road to be the NWA champion, and you wanted Dusty Rhodes to be able to beat Ric Flair. And all through the loop, Justin, it was disqualification victories for Dusty, but he never won the championship because the horsemen in, uh, got involved and they interfered in the matchup or they screwed Dusty one way or the other. Either way, it was that anticipation. When I pay for a ticket for this house show, I expect to see Dusty Rhodes beat Ric Flair once and for all. I and mean, there was always something. Same thing here with Cody Rhodes, where he has to finish the story. Well, I know in 2024, everyone wants a story yesterday, but that's not how Triple H works. That's not how the WWE works. There is no more of this championship uh, just because uh, Cody wants it. Now you've got to be able to give it to him now. They want anticipation. The same thing with Daniel Bryan. I think that Vince did a great job of saying, okay, I know that all of you love Daniel Bryan. I know you all want him to be the champion, but not yet. We're going to wait for a certain time for the, the place to explode when he becomes champion. The story does not have to be written yesterday. They are taking their time. Because when it's right, Cody Rhodes will be the champion. It may not happen this WrestleMania in Philadelphia, but when it happens, it's going to be dynamite. Well, I do think that if it does not happen this spring, you are really gambling. WWE creative is because I think you are really gambling that you know Cody's not a babyface that's got like you know this this middle finger drinking beer edge to him. You know he he's. He's about as white meat babyface as you get in 2023, 2024. And the people have not, you know, he, he's all American guy next door. And the people have not revolted against that yet. And that's that that's a that, that's a great accomplishment to Cody. But I think if you try to say this is going to extend out to SummerSlam or dare I say Mania 41, I think you're in a real gamble. Having said that, I don't think that this inevitable match between The Rock and Roman Reigns means that Cody's not finishing his story this year at WrestleMania. He may not finish it with Roman Reigns, but I don't necessarily think Roman is the is the must you know must have piece in in this puzzle. I think Roman and Rock if it takes place at Mania, it's not for the physical title, it's not for the universal title, it's for the title and moniker and rights to being head of the table in the family in the bloodline. If it takes if but that's if it takes place at Mania, I don't count out it be an option for the elimination chamber, in which case it's for a physical title there as well as the bra- as well as the, the the moniker head of the table. Uh, and if it happens at elimination chamber, the Rock's not winning the title. I think I think most of us can agree to that. I know he won it a decade ago when he came back and fought with Cena, but he's not winning the title if if, right. if it's on the line. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, you have Roman Reigns 
who beats the almighty rock. And then if he goes to Mania, and if that's where he and Cody meet again, and Cody beats him there, now Cody's able to not only stop the three-year-plus run, but he's able to do something that The Rock couldn't even do a month earlier. I think that makes that you know talk about again Rock putting as many people over. You know that's a that's an incredible rub for Cody Rhodes. I just don't I don't I don't I don't think this means that Cody's not you know now again if it's Rock and Roman at Mania and and, and you know then I I think you can look at Cody maybe a Cody Randy Orton and there's certainly a lot of history there that would fall into finishing the story. Mm-hmm. You know so I mean I I think there's options. I think for Dave and and all the hardcore Cody supporters. Don't let your blood pressure get out of control just yet. I think there is. I, I think there's a plan. I do think there's a plan. It goes back to me saying, creatively, just the way we started this six days ago. I have hope that all parties are not going to go into this and just screw. Just oh, we're going to relegate Cody to a mid card match at Mania. I don't think that's happening. Well, well, Justin, I will just say, I will say this: it's January seventh. Uh, after this feud with Nakamura, you guys start heating up Cody because it's getting late. Right, and WrestleMania is going to be here. I mean, I know that we're getting ready for the Royal Rumble at the bottom of the hour, uh, bottom of the uh, the month. But the point is, though, is that I mean, with Cody with Nakamura, it doesn't mean that he's less than, but it's not a main event attraction. I'm talking about for a pay per view. This is a nice rivalry, which is cool. These are the kind of rivalries that built Dusty Rhodes and his his legacy, taking on a Nakamura or, or or wrestlers of his ilk. That's what Dusty did to be able to get to that level. But I just need to know, like, after Nakamura, what's next for Cody? Because I, I, I know he's going to get past Nak, and that, no, they're gonna have, they've had some great matches. I love how they're able to put a little Kill Bill into a little, you know, uh, anime or whatever it is, like the, the cartoon uh, that they've had there to kind of illustrate the, uh, the mist that Nakamura has blown into Cody Rhodes' face. But uh, it's getting late here, because after that, then what's next? Because unless... The Rock and Roman are talking, and all of a sudden Cody intervenes. Now people will start thinking, will this be a three-way dance at WrestleMania? Well, I think Cody, he's going to beat Nakamura again, which, you know, maybe Nakamura should have won the first time. But nonetheless, he's going to beat Nakamura again. Yep. I think he's going to have the – they're going to make the steepest climb possible for Cody. I think Cody obviously was the first one to declare he's in the Rumble. Mm -hmm. He's going to go in the Rumble. He's not going to win the Rumble. He's going to come up short just slightly. And then I think he's going to have to go – and run the gambit of being one of six in the Elimination Chamber gimmick match, and that's where he's going to earn his ticket to WrestleMania. They're gonna, they're gonna. I think they're gonna make it as steep as possible for him. I think the winner of the Rumble is gonna be tied into the the Monday Night Heavyweight Title. Yeah, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. Yeah. Seth Rollins Championship. Yeah. So I mean, you know, and I, and I know people. You know, get back to the Rock Roman. I know people bristle at the at the, at the thought of Elimination Chamber in Australia being where that match is. But look, WWE's proven they are making all of these premium live events must-see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 yes, I, I get that for you, for the United States, it's going to be a, a wonky start time. You know, it's not going to be a normal primetime start time for the event. But this is not the old-fashioned days where you had to call up the cable provider and have order pay-per-view and watch it as it happened. The way, the way people consume content, the way it's on demand now at any time you want, on Peacock, or the way that people consume these PLEs just by watching clips that are posted on their timeline on Twitter, like, WWE knows that they have The Rock versus Roman, no matter what time of day it is and what time zone around the world. If, you, if you're if you a wrestling fan, you're going to find out what happened. You're going to see what happened. You're going to consume it and be following along with a story. Uh, and, and, and the show in Australia is going to be the biggest international show they've ever done. So it's not like it's being done 
and Carbondale, Illinois, where the hell it was you yes. <laughs> you were. Yes. yes. So uh, I, so to everybody that keeps poo-pooing the idea of uh, uh, an Australian ownership chamber, I think you gotta you gotta take a look at what the 2024 WWE premium live event landscape looks like now and elimination chamber is worthy and, and could happen hi everybody christopher mad dog russo here familiar you should be well now you can catch mad dog's daily bite each day as a podcast where you'll hear my thoughts and opinions on the biggest topics around the world of sports nfl baseball golf nba even the hockey that you know you can count on that's mad dog's daily bite drops daily anywhere you get your podcasts and you can also hear me weekdays 3 to 6 eastern on mad dog only serious xm channel 82 or anytime on the sxm app we have surpassed now five years of all elite wrestling and i will just say as a statement to start with justin i'd rather have this right now where i could be able to see wrestling across the landscape on my on the internet you know on youtube on uh, on triller fight tv to be able to see it on tnt usa fox i'd rather have this than just the WWE and TNA behind a paywall. Because there was a time in, in which it was just two companies. One you have to pay for with a, a weekly pay-per-view, and the other one would be WWE. And the WWE, more and more times than not, was shit during that time. And that's not a knock at John Cena. It's just a knock on the rest of it, where it was unimaginative. Uh, and they took the crowd for, for granted, I think, that Vince did after a while. says, so oh, well, WCW's closed down, so we could just experiment and do just whatever. They stopped trying to be creative. So I like this better than this that era because, at least in this era, I've got choices. I've got wrestling matches. I've got to be able to see creative. And I just think that when AEW's right and WWE's right, we as fans all win because we are able to see great matches and uh, terrific creativity across the board from both companies. And that trickles down to everyone else, MLW, NWA, New Japan, and everyone else. Everyone else raises the bar when WWE does well. Well, I absolutely agree. I'd prefer this landscape than, than what you you know outlined when it, it was WWE and then, and then a very distant second it was TNA. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think in the five years we look at AEW that – Certainly from the eye test and then from what we know with people like QT Marshall saying, you know, this is, you know, this is not, this is things have changed. It's not exactly the, the vision that I had signed on for. And, you know, it's pretty crazy. AEW is definitely shifting and making them and moving in a different direction. You can, you can feel that. And, and, you know, whether it's for the better or worse, you know, interesting little thing, little stat there, Jonathan, I don't know if you noticed this this past Wednesday on dynamite uh, and, and interesting that we, you know, it was a five year anniversary Think of the talent that we saw five years ago at that press conference. The Bucks, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, Rip Baker, Joey Janela, Cody Rhodes. None of them on this past Wednesday's Dynamite. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. Cody Rhodes and Joey Janela no longer work there. But, you know, it's, but just, you know, that no MJF. And I don't know if MJF was at the press conference, but he's been there from the, the, the you know, from pretty much the start. It's just, it's crazy that we had an episode of Dynamite this past Wednesday where none of those names were featured at all. A lot of those are big names for sure. And so they're not there, but I know change was inevitable. I look at AEW and I say the good for AEW, Justin, is anytime that you sell 81,000 plus tickets in the UK without a solid mega main event, whatever anyone wants to say about MJF against Adam Cole, it's a fine match. It's a fine match, and we understand the story behind it, but that's not, you know, Hogan 
against Shawn Michaels. That's not the Undertaker. That's not Triple H. That's not you know Hogan, Andre. It's not the Ultimate Warrior. It's not Randy Savage. What I'm saying is, is that you know the UK fan is so supportive of wrestling that they want to be part and they want to be part of history. And AW, similar to WWE, did not have a mega main event and they sold it out and they made. Uh, again, a mint off of that card. So thumbs up to them because that could have been 40,000, but it was over 80,000. And I think that's great. It is great. I mean, you can't deny that. I mean, I, and I definitely think some of what we just talked about and what the landscape's been for the last 20 years played into that to where, you know, UK fan, you know, all they've ever gotten in terms of on a big scale has been WWE for the last 20 years. So to get something to scale in Wembley Stadium, it's something else. It piques your interest, right? You know, let's go, let's go see this alternative. You know, no disrespect to that. I think, I think to me, if we're talking about the good and then the question of AEW, the absolute number one good, I think it trumps anything else on the number one good, is AEW as a place for talent to get paid comparably mm-hmm. and competitively to what WWE does. I mean, you know, you know, by my understanding, if if you're on if you're a contracted talent in AEW, you're making a six figure guarantee gross, um, and that's. You know, and, and you know, and we hear you know Tony Khan is pretty good about you know hotels and things like that being covered. Where you know we've heard stories over the years in WWE where not you know some of that stuff you know isn't. So I mean, a number one, it provided a place for guys and girls, wrestlers, but also not just talent. Um, because I can re- relate to some of this with people I know there, people in production, people in IT, people in the medical, all people who you know might have worked at WWE at one time or, wor- or worked in live event, worked in music, and now they had another place to consistently have work each week and get paid, you know, respectively because, you know, Tony Khan pays, pays well. So that, that to me is the good that, that, that triumphs overall is a place for guys and girls to get paid. And, you know, they were paid and taken care of, as I understand it through the pandemic, uh, which obviously, you know, nobody, nobody predicted that was going to come, but, you know, again, good on Tony Khan and AEW for that. Yeah. That that's a far cry from when TNA first started with uh, Jeff and Jerry Jarrett, where they did have an alternative, but it's like, can you come in for a couple of weeks? Can you come in for a month? We can only pay you this. Uh, you're gonna have to drive. I remember, like, uh, it's like, uh, like Bob Armstrong was a commissioner role. And he drove from like Pensacola to Nashville, and he just, I can't keep making this drive, man. Like, <laughs> like they couldn't afford to give him like a flight there. He had to drive. He loved the business, but not enough to keep making that drive. And so. TNA did the best that they could, but you're right. This is different than NWA or MLW or Game Changer or anything else in which you are making top dollar and not necessarily on the road either. The difference is like you're making six figures and you're not doing the house show loop. I mean, you're, you're just coming to the TV. And so other money that you might be making is on the independence, but it's not like AEW has got you on the road making all the towns around the Dynamite and Collision show. So Hats off in that regard. Um, you know, I grew up in an era in professional wrestling. I think many that are listening grew up in this way as well, where we saw just a lot of enhancement matches on television. And and because the enhancement matches and the TV drove you to the arena. This is when the wrestling was the arena business. Hey, watch these preliminary matches. Watch these promos. These promos will influence you to come to your local arena to see, uh, you know, the stars. And so I'm telling you, Justin, for a, a kid growing up on the south side of Chicago watching, especially in the AWA, 10,000 enhancement matches, 5,000 great promos in one angle a year. That's how I grew up. I mean, I mean yeah. imagine that in 2024. But that's how I grew up. 
to for an AW to give you bangers of matches um, is amazing. It, and also the major events delivers. Let me just put it this way. If world's end was the worst pay-per-view of 2023, then that's pretty good. <laughs> like, like not just TV, but just the, like the, the pay-per-views, the uh, PLEs, they all deliver. And again, world's end, people thought that that was light, that it was a three match card. All right, fine. It's still better than what we see more times than not. And so hats off to Tony Khan for that major events. They deliver. Well, another good I would go with AEW is <clears throat> they kind of they kind of got with the times as compared to WWE in 2019. And this is all compared to WWE in 2019 because that's when AEW started. The way they would let talent speak like a person would in mm-hmm. conflict. Um, you know, you look back at 2019 WWE and for many years before that, so many guys in WWE just didn't speak like anybody would speak. Like nobody would, right. they'd say things that nobody would say. It's like, that sounds so ridiculous. Um, you know, so I think good on AEW for, you know, again, kind of like getting us up with the times of like letting, letting these guys and girls speak the way that they should be speaking. Also coming with the times 2019, you know, the intent for the media access. Now, obviously the media scrums uh, have been very polarizing and caused some major issues, but yeah. still the intent in 2019 to do something like New Japan does, where you acknowledge media, you acknowledge, you make your talent available um, to, to to talk, both kind of in kayfabe and not. It kind of blurs the lines depending on which media media outlets asking what question. Mm-hmm. But I think that was good, and then we, and we saw WWE kind of follow suit where they started doing. You know, you know, in NXT we'd always get the phone calls with with Triple H ahead of the take ahead of the takeovers but you know now to bring it to raw and smackdown where we got the press conferences where we got you know access to the talent i think again the intent of what they did in 2019 it was good it kind of brought it was like you know you can't you know prior to that WWE kind of for the most part again for raw and smackdown things they pretended that that the only media that existed was you know well you know espn or or sports illustrated you know just the the, the major national outlets you know they they pretended that there wasn't wrestling media news mm-hmm. sites out there when there is um, and so good on AEW for kind of, you know, changing that and, and making that uh, kind of a new standard in the United States. So if my number one like over the last five years, AEW being able to draw money, I think another draw, obviously, and another positive is that they got TV. They got something that MLW and NWA and Game Changer. They don't have North American TV deals, but AEW does. Um, and so obviously I don't want to see them fail. But, you know, after five years, I think that one thing that has to change is the victimhood mentality of Tony Khan, the enabler. And what I mean by that is, is that, you know, we talk about his safety around CM Punk last time that CM Punk was in the company and just talking about how, you know, uh, the WWE is is treated him wrong over the years and they don't have the same. He doesn't have the same relationship with Triple H and Stephanie at that time. We got all that in press conferences and this whole victimhood thing is like. Everyone's coming at AEW. Well, you know what? Everyone's coming at WWE too. You know, everyone's coming at, at New Japan. Everyone's coming at NWA. You know why? Because people want to see better. They want to be able to look at social media and say, this is good, this is bad. It slings and arrows all the time. You know, it's either you're going to get um, praise or there's going to be slings and arrows. It happens all the time because you're in business. You know, just because Tony Khan says it's great doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's great. Just because you say it doesn't mean that's true. Tony Khan, the enabler, to me, more of an enabler, more so than a CEO at times. 
You know, you, you got to be able to draw a line and stop people from trying to run over you and your business. You know, that that's something that I think that over five years, he's got to look at this and say, you know what, why do I need a committee to make a decision on CM Punk? Why do I need a committee? I'm the boss. Like, like as much as I want CM Punk to be here, uh, he's more trouble than it's worth, obviously, in this company. So I'm just going to let him go. There's this whole thing where you got to talk to people about it. I mean, sure, you want to be able to talk to some people in the company and say, hey, what do you think? But ultimately, it's your decision. So I think that, I'm the, uh, you know, Tony Khan's learned a lot in five years, but this whole enabler thing or letting the boys have the pencil, all this kind of stuff, you're the boss. Whatever you want to say about Vince. Vince was like this as well with Shawn Michaels. Let's not get it twisted, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of shit that, that Shawn Michaels did in his time as WWE champion or as a wrestler that Vince turned a blind eye to. It's like, okay, Shawn, you know, you're my guy. Or the click, the same thing. But at, there were certain points in Vince's tenure where he's like, you know what, I'm drawing the line. This is my decision, whether it's popular or not. Same thing with the whole thing with Brett. This is my decision. This is the way we're going to go. Tony Khan's got to be able to have a spine. I mean, not only are you a matchmaker, but you also are a CEO and a boss. You got to make decisions. Yeah, it does feel like oftentimes from the outside looking in, it does feel like uh, <clears throat> he's too concerned with being buddies and friends with these you know, great wrestlers. Um, you know, I, I said it as a positive, the the intent for more media access, and I still stand by that. But I will say that's something that I, I do think that in Tony Khan specifically, maybe he should pull back and reduce how again it's it's nice to think that this billionaire makes himself available and is tweeting people and you have the access to talk to him so easily um but at the same time you know if we actually pulled out a scorecard he might have done more harm than good when he speaks publicly or tweets publicly you know like four months ago he was scared for his life and then four months yes. later he's telling us at the world's end pay-per-view how AEW is the safest company to work or, well, I don't know if you can have it both ways, sir. <laughs> I don't know if you can be the safest company if you, the head honcho, are scared for your life. Be careful now. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you can't be, I'm fearful, but yet now it's safe. Okay. Okay. Right. Great. But but kind of going into kind of going into what you're saying about, you know, the enablers and that, uh, you know, on the questionable of AEW as well, too much at once. Too much talent signed at one time, too many, and I use I'm doing air quotes for everybody in Radio Land storylines at mm-hmm. a time, too much of something in just one segment, um, especially as Dynamite. You know, you and I we we, we like our Saturday Collision. It's a nice pace, a little bit a little bit easier to to digest. But mm-hmm. especially with Dynamite, just you know, you have so many talent. Um, and again, you're paying them all handsomely, and and you you're bringing them all to TV each week. You don't have room necessarily for all of them on TV, and and it's just too much. And I, you end up running into, I think you end up running into like a Toy Story effect of where you know one minute these few wrestlers are are Woody and Buzz, and the next minute they're at the bottom of the toy chest, and you moved on to the next thing. And and it, it's it's like you know the talents try you know talent doesn't know where they're ranking at, the audience doesn't know. You know, one week you're giving me the, you know the the focus of this storyline and this 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 match this this problem and then the next week it's over on rampage or it's on a youtube special i, you know, I just i think there's just there's been too much i think he needs to get more streamlined and more focused there's just way too much 
Um, and that, and that hurts in the consistency that hurts in the overall, just how you roll things out and how, and how, you know, which talent is important when I'll, I'll point this out too, as something that has, it's never going to be solved. Justin, as we talk about, uh, AEW over the last five years, the likes and the questionable about the company, here's something that never will be fixed because this is just firmly entrenched in the company. You know, before I go there, I'll just say the WWE and for some fans that watch WWE programming, you get this complaint all the time. Like, Oh, here they go with this package again. I already saw what happened last week. Why do they have to give us this package? Well, you know what? The WWE has laid it out like a soap opera for years, right? Because the reason why is that we could see uh, a, a a match and then you see the replay of it the next week and the aftermath of what happened is because Vince McMahon always said, we always have new viewers. So we have to continue to tell the people, here's a story if you missed it last week. Who's this wrestler? Well, Michael Cole uh, or Kevin Patrick, tell people who this wrestler is. Give us the bite, the, the bite size bullet points of who this wrestler is. So that way the new audience could say, okay, I know who this person is. Now I know what the story is. I know it becomes monotonous for some fans, especially if you watch it every week, like I already know this story. Why you got to show this on pay-per-view because of the new audience. Here's the thing about AEW, and this will never get fixed. I already know that, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's the first time I'm saying this, Justin, I don't understand the importance of assuming that everyone knows what all Japan and new Japan is. I mean, like you're a brand new company and everything relates to what happened in all Japan and new Japan. Do you know what the percentage of of fans watching? They know every machination of all Japan and new Japan. You know, it's gotta be minuscule, right? Especially in North America. You might've got the tapes back in the day. You might watch it on YouTube now because all that stuff's available. But when you mention wrestlers from all Japan and new Japan and your AEW, you're talking about stuff from the nineties. I know Tony Khan was into it. I know Excalibur is into it, but again, that doesn't grow your audience. It does not, you know, what grows your audience. You talking about you, AEW and why you're the alternative brand. And so I, I just think it, it drives me up a wall because to me, you're talking to the minority of fans when you talk about uh, uh, all Japan wrestling or all Japan wrestlers or moves from, from J- Japanese because to me, wrestling's pretty good in North America. I don't know. I've been watching it for a long time. So when you relate everything to Japanese wrestling, that's a problem for me because you're not talking to me. You're talking to those that have the all, all Japan tapes and I don't have any of those. <laughs> no, the, no, you're exactly right. The lack, the lack of focus on wanting to grow viewers. That should always be your hardcore fans. Your regular fans are always going to be there, good or bad. They're going to be there. They're, I mean, the, the 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 bad days of Monday Night Raw have proven that. The bad years, you're still going to have your same, you know, million eight, million nine, whatever. They're going to be there. It's the difference of can it's, you know can you create a buzz that gets that fan to come back or creates a new fan or, you know, that you can invite somebody over at your house and, and make a new fan out of them because something grabs them. And, and you're right. Some crazy sequence of moves is not going to do it. Or it's not going to sustain them. It'll be cool that first time they see it, but then when they see it every week, okay, I want something different. You have to give them character. You have to grow. And, and you're right. The lack of year over year growth of new audience is a problem. And that, and that, that's going to, that's going to ultimately that's that's going to be the ceiling. That's that's what's going to develop your ceiling if you're AEW is that you aren't growing. Um, you know, never mind financially. You know, okay, they might be getting they might be getting some revenue, you know, for this great gate at Wembley, and they might get a new TV deal, what have you. But 
you know, that's great that you're getting some of this, but okay, what are you spending? How much are you spending? What's, you know, what's what's the profit and loss look like here? Because when you have 150 talents under contract, and we again, all of them are making six figures or more, like, and you're traveling with this entire setup, production setup to these major arenas, and you're only filling them 30 percent, you know, like I mean, so. The lack of the lack of new viewers is ultimately what's going to be the ceiling that's that's going to cap AEW. It has been a successful run for AEW over the last five years. There's no question about it. But again, when you're five years old, there's always going to be good and bad, and there's going to be some mistakes made and things they just have to work on. And again, uh, you know, a lot of companies that started off. They started off rough, and they were able to straighten things out and pull the nose up on the company. AEW definitely has even more room for growth. But, again, when Tony Khan says it's great, it's not great, not yet. It's, it's working its way there, that's for sure, and it's very enjoyable to watch. But the thing is, is that some of the other machinations behind the scenes and in front of the, the camera has to be able to work itself out to be a better product uh, for everybody that loves professional wrestling. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream a podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open every day of the week at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today.